This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This week, I'm talking with Adam Kirk Smith, author of The Bravest You, Five Steps to Fight Your Biggest Fears, Find Your Passion, and Unlock Your Extraordinary Life. And as Adam says in this conversation, there are a ton of self-help books out there, but this book The Bravest You, as I point out in the opening of the conversation, was endorsed by not only Seth Godin, but also John Acuff, two of the people that I look up to the most when it comes to not just having dreams and ideas of what it is you want to do and a unique perspective on how things work and doing good work, but they also have this follow-through, consistency, and prolific creative output that their endorsement was one that I just couldn't ignore for this book. In this conversation with Adam, we talk about some of the major fears that are hang-ups to our productivity because we choose to have inactivity because fear has given us paralysis. Adam and I also discuss the bravery process something that Adam has created in order for you to move through and past your fears each time that they come back up again and stop you from doing good work, brave work, as he calls it. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know you're going to as well. Before we get into that conversation, I want to name-check Seth Godin yet again and say thank you to Seth Godin's Alt-MBA workshop, Seth's Alt-MBA workshop is another way to work through your fear and do good work through your fear by working with others and creating those better habits by rewiring your brain through this workshop. By working on 13 projects during the month of this workshop, you're constantly pushing ahead and creating a body of work as proof that you can do good work. It's intense. It immerses you for four weeks in a drinking-from-the-fire-hose mentality, and it's not consumptive, it's interactive and experiential because there's no lectures, no videos, and it's just rolling up your sleeves and working in groups with people who are equally devoted to learning these skills. They're now accepting applications for their upcoming sessions, and to find out more, head on over to altmba.com slash beyond. And for special consideration, you can mention this podcast in your application. Again, that's altmba.com slash beyond. Go check it out. This may be that workshop that will, like this conversation with Adam, push you through to start doing brave work and push past your fears. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Adam Kirk Smith. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. So I get tons of people reaching out to me saying, hey, I want to be on your show. And a lot of them are like 
publicists. They're like, hey, this person's got an awesome new book out. And I look at all of them. I don't want to just swipe stuff away. I, I, I always try to go after people that I really want or am familiar with. And I was unfamiliar with you, but I'm <laughs> sure glad that I did take a look. And uh, so they sent me the book. And then I, you know, up top on the front of it, it's Seth Godin and and his endorsement, and and then on the back, the top one there is also John Acuff, and I'm like, well, if these two guys like this book, then I'm definitely in for a treat. But it wasn't just their endorsements. I already had said, hey, send me the book. It's it's called The Bravest You: Five Steps to Fight Your Biggest Fears, Find Your Passion, and Unlock Your Extraordinary Life. And I thought, okay, conquering your fears—that is. Definitely something that fits in with these tangential productivity topics, because when I think of fear, I think of something my friend Jeff calls vapor lock or paralysis and being stuck. And one of the key components of productivity or producing or completing or getting things done is action and fear kind of being the opposite of that. So I wanted to talk to you about that. Anyway, long, long intro, but just saying, <laughs> I am super pumped and glad to be talking to you today. And so how did you get started? What was the impetus, the catalyst even, for why you had to write this? You know, that's a great intro. Thank you. And yeah, I was I was honored to see those people endorse the book. But you know, where this where this book came from for me was I grew up painfully shy and full of fear. I think everybody that writes can only that writes a good book can only write what they're familiar with or or where they're coming from and for me not only because people deal with fear often. I would say it's the number one block to success for people, but because I had dealt with fear for so long and we'll get into the five stages of the bravery process that I came up with, but was complacent for so long. And I had seen some things that had worked in my own life that I knew, Hey, this, this needs to be written. Um, because you know, fear is something we all deal with, but rarely will open up and talk about, you know, I really wrote this book too, because there needs to be a conversation around our fears that, that takes place. Many times people will hold them in and try to deal with them by themselves and, and try to reach this, what I believe is an unobtainable feat of becoming fearless. We see the word fearless everywhere, and, and I think fear is something that comes in all our lives, whether we admit it or not. I would say the, the hardest part of selling a book about fear is people will uh, many times in my space not be able to admit that they are encountering fear. Fear. They want to believe that they have it all together. They believe that, you know, they're brave and they don't need help in that area. But it's really a challenge to say, hey, you know, admit your fears, look at them square in the face and say, you know what, um, I'm tired of not reaching success because of the fears that I'm facing. And this really came as a challenge. And I want to challenge people to, to you know, again, I don't believe people can be completely fearless, but acknowledge the fear and do braver work, better work, even in the midst of their fears. So let me acknowledge the fact that there's definitely an irony in having fear about writing a book about fear and then marketing yeah. a book about fear. That's hilarious. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, the guy that wrote The Bravest You. Uh, yes, I, I admit I encounter fear on a monthly basis, but it's because I'm trying new things, you know, and a thing about writing a book 
is it's done. You know, at some point you have to say, I'm finished. And then it's sent out and you hope your ideas resonate with people. But, you know, with my books, I wanted to tell a story. This first one, I believe bravery, everything is contingent. Everything is built upon this idea of bravery. So I really wanted it to be my first book. There will be other books in the future, but I really wanted to get readers on the same page and and saying, hey, you know what? Fear will come, but it doesn't have to stay. We can do better. We can do braver work. And that's why this book had to had to be first for me. Yeah, well, and I, I'm a firm believer that a lot like why I do this podcast or do some of the other work that I do or why you wrote this book is it's better work because you were fearful of doing it. Even if yeah. you knew you had to and knew it was the right thing, you had to fight through that fear. I love that you say it's not about living without fear. It's about living with the fear and not in a get used to it and be complacent kind of way, but in an actual using the fear to push you forward, kind of like if anybody's familiar with uh, jujitsu, where you use the opponent's momentum against them. Yeah, no, that's a perfect analogy. You know, I'm probably more afraid of not producing work that lasts than not. And so, you know, a question that I ask people often, are your ideas more important than your fears? And I believe that when our ideas are more important, yes, the fear will come, but, but we can fight it. So... I almost feel like it's it's kind of like a leveling up or a, you know, all right, I, I bench pressed this much. Now I can go to the next level. You know, you, you always, you know, fear is right there with you. It's like, hey, you did mm-hmm. this. And it may, you may have more confidence from having completed something that you were fearful about completing. And that doesn't take the fear away for the next time that you do it or do it on a larger scale or a bigger stage. But it does mean that, you can move forward again. Like it's each new challenge is again, that next setup of, okay, the fear steps up a little stronger. Well, I'm stronger too. And you know, you keep rushing to meet the opportunity. I I really do love this, by the way, you, you, that being brave is most important when we do it for unselfish reasons, like that we're rushing into, like, uh, I think you even use the example of, you know, a a mother rushing into harm's way in order to save her son or daughter or something that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a mindless bravery. It's, it's, it's without question. Like it's instantaneous. It's a, no, I know what the right thing is here. And it's a split second decision and I'm going to be brave and I might, I might get hurt, but I'm going to help somebody else. Yeah. I mean, you know, really in putting together this process, I wanted to tie it together in this, and we'll get to this too, but the idea of passion that, that really takes us forward, it, you know, passion can, it has become a buzzword because it's talked about so often, but, you know, this passion for other people and and making the world a better place, you know, our work, our bravery, whether we're talking about our work or, you know, the words we speak to each other or whatever it might be, that brave conversation, the brave work that we do, it's all for a bigger purpose than ourselves. And, and passion can can come up in a negative way in saying that when we're following our passion, it's more of a selfish desire. So I really wanted to focus on passion being a way to make the world a better place. And because of the passions within ourselves, they're there for a reason. They're making the world a better place. But they're, you know, they're changing the way people look at the world. They're they're changing people's worlds, you know, on a daily basis. And even if 
the work we do seems almost meaningless, it's not. Because this effort is going forward, this brave work is going forward, and it's going to impact other people. And, and you know, uh, Eric, a podcast has, has made a way for you to impact a lot of people, you know, tons of people listening, people with blogs. The internet has become a wonderful tool, and it can get these ideas out there faster. I'm you know, if I go back in my story, 10 years ago, all of this started with blogging. It's built into what it is today just to serve my audience. And so that passion of writing that began when, you know, maybe 10 people were, were reading my blog, um, it was doing things when nobody else was looking that has built it into what it is today. And I'm, I'm grateful for that passion of writing. I'm grateful for that passion of helping people because Without it, we uh, we wouldn't be talking today, Eric. So uh, I'm a I'm a big believer in that, and not only passion, but doing brave work, of course, with writing this book. So in the book, you outline uh, and spend a lot of time actually on these ten major fears. I'd love to talk about three that really stand out to me, and then from there move on into talking about the five different stages of the bravery process as you describe it. The first fear that I think really stands out to me is uncertainty. The thing about uncertainty is, as for a person like me who likes to plan everything and everything be just so, no matter what, there's going to be uncertainty. You can plan all you want to. You can have what you think is a perfect plan and things will come out of nowhere, right? I mean, life life happens. That's on a personal standpoint. Businesses, you know, if you own a business, if you're an entrepreneur and you're uncertain about the market, the example I give in the book are brands Kodak and Polaroid who didn't invent Instagram. You know, they were uncertain of where the digital space would go, uh, digital photos and, and the phone, and they didn't see that. I got to pause you right there. So I need yeah. to mention this. My hometown is Rochester, New York, the home of Kodak. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I was literally just there a few weeks ago and uh, my uncle and I and and even my mom, we were driving past some of the old Kodak buildings. They're not empty, but there's some parking lots there that are definitely not in use anymore with weeds, you know, just sprouting all over the place. And it's just sad to see it. They didn't anticipate because, you know, anticipation and vision I give are the two tools to that people really need to fight the fear of uncertainty. But yeah, I mean they didn't they didn't see it coming. Not only did they not anticipate, but they had all their money in one basket, all their eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. And so while they were romanticizing the uh you know the vision of light rooms and the artistry, which is great. I you know, I still respect that. People in in dark rooms and, and developing film and and such. What Instagram and you know the makers of Instagram did is they saw accessibility as the most important part. And so instead of falling into the fear of uncertainty, they saw phones as a means to make great photos accessible. And that's how they saw photography going. And of course, we see that they're on the right side of history. Uh, You know, Facebook bought it for a billion dollars. And that's the example I give just because Kodak and Polaroid were on this mountaintop you know, in the 80s and 90s. And just once digital photography came, it just was quick for them to see they were on the mountaintop and they're definitely in a valley now trying to figure out their place in in photography and, and, the, and the greater business landscape. So it'll be interesting to see where that takes. But yeah, I mean, I give the two tools to fight this is anticipation, 
how can you in, anticipate better the things that you think might happen, whether it's business or your personal life? You know, so many times we're reacting rather than being proactive in our lives if, if we're not careful. So I give some activities in the chapter two to help people begin being proactive. But I think it's more about being aware, more about being intentional with this fear of uncertainty. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, to learn more. And I think the only thing that's certain is uncertainty is <laughs> the, the yeah. rule, you know? There's, yeah. there's no, I mean, literally, you could be fully prepared and still have something else come along that you can't anticipate, but that doesn't mean that being prepared was all for naught, you know? Right. You and can, you know, life, yeah. life definitely happens. <laughs> and you know what, what I have seen also just in research and, and talking to people is the more successful people are willing to, to fight in those moments of uncertainty rather than to, than to give in, you know, they, they fight for what's right. They fight for, you know, helping other people, what they feel is right in the moment. And they're, and they're willing to learn from their mistakes because my goodness, uh, Life is full of mistakes, and it's how we react to those. Are we are we there to sulk in the in the negativity that comes, or or do we learn from those mistakes and and rebound? One of the other fears I think ties in with that uncertainty a bit is it's almost translated into uncertainty in myself. 
And I'm talking, of course, about the fear of inadequacy. Yeah. You know, the voices that we allow to speak to ourselves is huge. Some artists that I know deal with self-doubt, actually a lot of artists, not not just some, but, you know, those those negative voices that come along telling you all the reasons that you can't instead of all the reasons that you can't, which fear is is typically all the voices, you know, that, that says that you can't, but bravery comes along and, and passion tells you all the reasons that you can. But I think an important note in this chapter is we we discussed it before that fear comes and we have to recognize that we're human beings and that emotions play a huge part in our actions and reactions. And we can take control of a lot of things that, you know, it's important to identify what's in our control and what's outside of our control. And a lot of emotions are within our control. We have to you know, I don't want this to sound hokey, but a lot of things that we feed ourselves dictate our emotions. And so self-talk and the things that we put in, I believe, typically come out, um, you know, positivity or negativity. It's really important that we pay attention to those things. I would just challenge people to, you know, in this fear of inadequacy, asking people, what have you been putting in? But then on the other side of this, the practicality that comes with this is many times the areas that we feel inadequate in are the areas that we haven't practiced or that we haven't made ourselves familiar enough with. And so many times ignorance is uh, is a part of inadequacy. We have to become more familiar. That is if we want to pursue these things further. I feel inadequate in things, but it's just because one, I don't want to do them. Two, I haven't made time for them. Three, I haven't done them enough. You know, those those things. But if it's something that you truly want to chase, that you feel is part of your calling, part of your purpose, then you, you just need to make yourself more familiar with them. And to realize, again, that mistakes will come. Perfection is this huge thing that that comes in our minds. And if we're not perfect the first time, we feel like failures. And uh, it's a disease, really, because I can't imagine how many books haven't been finished or how many, you know, how many blogs haven't been started or how many podcasts haven't been started because they weren't perfect the first few times, you know, or or not not just started, but left behind. You know, maybe they did three episodes or wrote three posts or wrote one chapter and, and shelved it because it just they didn't feel perfect about it. They didn't feel adequate enough to write it. And those voices that say, who am I to write this or who am I to do this will come. But that passion that that drives people to create brave work just has to become bigger and to know I have a greater purpose than than perfection. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I have the purpose of, of helping people and it's it's going to be messy. Uh, relationships are always messy. Perfection will never come, but it's it's showing up day after day doing the work. Uh, where the magic happens. I think one of the other key pieces here is the fact that we can overcome a fear of, of inadequacy if we take stock in where we do already have strengths and Absolutely. then look to see where our weaknesses are and say maybe partner with someone who complements our strengths and covers our weaknesses or vice versa. I know that's true in marriage. I know it's true in partnerships with you know doing brave work and great work. So, yeah, no, that's a that's a piece that's not often talked about is collaboration. And that would be a, you know, and I didn't really write too much about that in my book and and haven't really uh, 
research that, but that, yeah, I mean, that's an, that's an interesting topic that that could definitely use some voice behind because yeah, I, you know, talking about taking it to the next level, often, often it's other people who will help us think about things in new ways from new perspectives and help us take our work to a, to a new level, no doubt. And the fact that they can sometimes push us to skirt past our fear really quickly <laughs> because yeah. they've already dealt with it or two people against the fear is better than one person against it. Absolutely. So, no, that's, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, one more of these fears that obviously is talked all about these days is the, the FOMO, the fear of missing out. And again, the internet, I think, is very much to blame for this. I want to include some of my story on on this one. Going back to my story about 10 years ago, I started blogging, saw some success probably six years in or five years in. And, um, you know, was always on my phone, not being present uh, with my family, missing out on just opportunities to create real life relationships right in front of me because I was always on social media. And, um, you know, I fought that first with taking a month off and then, you know, came back from that and still the addiction wasn't broken and took three months and, and still quite, I was, I was more finding myself worth and in likes and retweets than the, you know, more often than I should have. So then I took almost a year off of social media and, and people listening who find their business in, in social media that are listening to this are like, no way I could never do that. But, you know, I just, you know, and, and it would be really hard for me to step away now too. Seth Godin asked a great question and it's, you know, what is this for? What is it for? When you ask yourself the actions and, and reactions that you have, when you ask yourself, what is it for? Is it, is it for the right reasons or, or is it for finding self-worth? This fear of missing out is huge. And a lot of it has to do with people just posting their, uh, I say in quotes, perfect lives on Instagram, what <laughs> I call it, you know, Instagram lives. And, and they leave out the, you know, the the messy home or the or the argument with the spouse or the letting a relationship, a close friend down because you, you know, you couldn't make a meeting because something else was going on or. Are you, you know, every time we say yes to something, I be, I'm a huge believer in we're saying no to something else. And so those moments of imperfect lives are real. And again, it, it makes room for the conversation of all this. You know, the fears that my biggest fear right now in this moment is, is letting those close to me down. Um, you know, say yes to something that has to do with work. I'm, there's, you know, I'm not here at home. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And, um, my wife is a stay at home mom and, you know, she needs help. <laughs> and so these things make up what is life. And so in this chapter, you know, the first point that I make is, is the importance of minimalism, whatever that means for people to get rid of the unnecessary, uh, to make room for the necessary and something else on this topic. I, I filled my schedule so full at one point in my life that I found myself in the emergency room with a panic attack, thought it was a heart attack because I'm recovering people pleaser. And so I said yes so often that my schedule was so full, it was full of unnecessary things. And so that was really a wake up call to me to take out the unnecessary to make room for the necessary. And I hate that it came to that to, to wake me up. But uh, those moments 
in life will either, you know, you can decide to redefine yourself or, or continue with the flow. Um, and it would only get worse from there if I hadn't have made the change. And so it's important to be aware, intentional, as we've already talked about before those sorts of things happen. But I just, this book is a challenge really, you know, it, it challenged myself. I needed to be reminded of some things. And again, my, my own life is really dealing with these fears and, and just writing what I've found. And also, you know, to serve my audience, I, I started a coaching and consulting business four years ago to really just serve my audience because that's what my audience was telling me they, they wanted from me. And so talking with about 400 people over the last four years, these three fears were three major ones that kept coming up. And uh, I, I know listeners have probably dealt with at least one of them in their lifetime. So, it, you know, it, it comes back to, to being aware of ourselves. Self-awareness is huge. I know it's a topic that's, that's brought up often. But the way that I wrote this book, too, is, you know, there's so many self-help books out there. And it can almost become overwhelming. But the nice thing, the way I set up the table of contents, whatever fear that listeners are dealing with, uh, they can turn to that chapter and I give them, you know, five to ten things maybe to really hone in on rather than a uh, hundred. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that That is uh, definitely true uh, because having read through the book, most books, you know, they, they start off, they, they tell you they, – they want to convince you why their point of view is right. Then they give you their premise and then they, uh, you know, with different um, various types of um, – evidence then they move into okay now build on this then build on that then build on that and the way you've got it is right up front which we'll get to in a second you've got this bravery process and then you talk about all these different fears and you're right you could flip to any single one of the 10 different fears we've only mentioned three uh that are in the book and you don't have to have read the other chapters in the book to be able to fully flesh out and learn to deal with that fear in your life. So that's actually pretty cool. And and again, like you said, we write, you know, what we struggle with. That's that's what Jeff Goins keeps coming back. Every time he comes back, he's like, this is the latest thing that I've been struggling with. And, yeah, and I had to true. write about it to like kind of uh, figure out what it is I thought about. <laughs> and so, yeah. and it's the same thing for readers. We read about what we are dealing with or need to deal with. And that's why this book's going to be helpful to people. So I'd like to take a quick moment to thank ZipRecruiter for sponsoring this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Are you currently hiring? Are you looking to get that perfect fit and the best candidate possible for that position? ZipRecruiter is different from other job sites because with just one click, you can put your position out there on 100 plus job sites all at once. Their technology makes it possible to match the position with the right candidates better than anybody else. Because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the candidate finding you, it will find them. In fact, over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. And with their easy-to-use dashboard, you don't need to wade through emails or struggle through phone calls to your office. You can screen, rate, and manage the candidates all through ZipRecruiter's dashboard. Find out today why businesses of all sizes are using ZipRecruiter to find their qualified candidates and seeing immediate results. Right now, listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond. 
Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash beyond. Well, let's get into the the five steps of the bravery process, which almost felt like it was the uh, five stages of grief. <laughs> it almost did, doesn't it? I imagine the person buying this book needing what you just said. They feel the need to be brave. So where I started this bravery process out, where I spent many years of my life in my 20s um, trying to figure things out was complacency. That's the first stage. If people are are thinking to themselves, I'm not complacent because I'm not standing still. Much of this part of the chapter, much of this subheading of, of complacency, I deal with this thought of what I just spoke about, finding myself in the ER because I had filled my schedule with so many things that were unnecessary uh, that I forgot to make room for the necessary. Complacency can be a full schedule when we're not doing the things that we ought to be doing, that we know we ought to be doing, but we're hiding from producing brave work. You know, those things on our mind that are, I know I need to write this book. I know I need to start this business. I know I need to uh, work with my team in my nine to five to better our work and and produce better things for my company. Um, I know I need to create this nonprofit, whatever this thing is that keeps tapping on our shoulder, that keeps speaking to us, that we know we ought to do, but we keep making, (laughs) making room for things, you know, I'll, I'll find myself and I want to, you know, preface this with the bravery process is something we will need to continually revisit through life. Because again, I, you know, saying this again, uh, none of us can be completely fearless. New things come, new challenges come, and it's up to us to decide to, to fight through those fears. But the complacency that comes that we think we're just sitting on our couch or, or twiddling our thumbs or, you know, <laughs> crossing our arms and, and not doing anything, I think is, is bogus because we think we're not doing that, so we must be doing okay. So, Self-awareness comes up in this conversation again, but really being honest with ourselves. The the hardest person to be honest with ourselves, I believe, truly is is ourselves because we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're doing something brave when really we're we're not. We're we're doing what other people think is brave, but when we come back to it, it's not brave work for ourselves because we haven't been honest with ourselves. And so, you know. Again, intentionality comes up, the willpower needed to show up time and time again. It's that driver that that keeps us going. I just really want to ask a question to those thinking that that maybe you are complacent, is how much is living a great life worth to you, and can you afford not to become better? And so when you answer that, all this is about action. You know, we can talk about bravery all day long, but without mm-hmm. you putting in the action, you know, this conversation doesn't even, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, well, I would argue that being brave isn't really being brave unless it's being brave and then taking action out of that bravery. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, so many, there's so many self-help books out there, so many podcasts. And in the past, I've, I, you know, if I'm honest, I've listened to some of those things or read some of those things and put them on my shelf or, you know, hit stop and, and, have done nothing with them. Haven't thought much about them afterwards, to tell you the truth. But that's why this book is such a challenge is because you have to go do something with it for it to matter. 
if you're wanting to become the successful person without putting in the work, success will not come. It just won't. It's important for people to to define their own definition of success in all this. And that's another exercise in the book that I challenge people with because my definition of success is going to be entirely different than, than others, but it's just really getting people to move. Mm-hmm. And so, but many people that are going to pick up this book for the first time and, and wanting to be brave and, and feeling the need to be brave, they're probably in this first stage of complacency. I know I was for a very long time. The other stages help people. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's and it may not be that where you're at right now is a bad place. It may be a good place. But what we're saying here is complacency is settling and being okay with just staying where you're at instead of being brave and moving forward from good to great or amazing work. That's it. I mean, you know, it, good is the enemy of great. And yeah. uh, it's, again, a challenge to, to produce uh, people's best work. So then moving from complacency and, uh, you know, identifying one that we're complacent and stop playing it safe and, and start identifying that maybe we've fallen into that busyness trap to kind of numb maybe the pain or fear uh, from yeah. yelling at us that, no, there's more there than you, that you should be doing. Uh, and fear's like, no, you're good. You're, you're, you're doing good. Stay here. Uh, and yeah. moving on into the inspiration or the ideas stage. How do you suggest we move from that stage to this next one? When ideas come, I believe it's so important. I've already said fear will come, but in this stage, when ideas come, it's so important that we don't edit immediately. You can edit later. You know, fear tells us all the reasons that we can't instead of all the reasons we can, and we will squash ideas many times, so many times before they even can take flight because of this this reason. And so if we dream fearlessly, write all our ideas out, get all these ideas out here, you can dream fearlessly in this idea stage. And so a great question to ask here, you've probably already heard it before, but again, action is the key. So here's the question, what would I do if I couldn't fail and I had all the time to work on it? What would I do? And you answer that question and you write all these reasons down. There's some other questions in the book. But that's that's really it, getting people to dream fearlessly and not let the editing spirit come in before it ought to. And, you know, editing comes later. I learned that with writing a book. You know, you get all these ideas out and you put it in a book, no matter how dumb they sound, and you edit later. But whatever it is, business idea, you get it out on the whiteboard, you you bring a you know a board around you, people that you trust, you know, masterminds work, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, these groups that, that get together and, and talk about ideas and brainstorm and whatever your group is, a challenge here is don't do life alone. We've already touched on that, but bring those people around you that you do life with and and trust and and build great relationships with so you have people to bounce these ideas off of but yeah and this stage really is just dream fearlessly and the more ideas the better and just you know for me i go to a coffee shop and i sit down with a a pad and a paper and and not something digital and uh you know i'll, I'll just start writing try and do a brain, yeah. brain dump so that's perfect yeah. perfect Moving into the next stage, because again, this this is a process and it's going to be a recurring process. So this next one might seem like a weird stage to be in, but it's fear, the I can't do it stage. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm going to drive it home. Fear will come. But a relaxing statistic about fear that came out of the University of Cincinnati 
is 85% of the things we fear don't even happen. And then 30% of those things happened in the past. And then 90% are considered insignificant. So when we get down to that small percentage of, of the things that are actually valid, I just want people to, to rest in that statistic that no matter how big the feat might seem, getting in and putting action and, and doing the work, you know, things look a lot smaller. Things will, you know, before writing a book or before starting a business, it seems a lot bigger of a mountain to face than when you're actually in it and doing the work. You start saying, well, maybe I can do this, you know, uh, at least I did when when I got to, you know, chapter seven of writing this book rather than writing the first word two years earlier. That's just the way that fear works. It takes action. But three points that I present in this stage to help people know if the fears that they're experiencing are a good thing. We've touched on it already, but if you can impact a person in a way that changes their outlook for the good or for the better, it's probably worth moving forward. And, and if it moves you closer to developing passion for something that you truly care about, it's probably worth pursuing further. And then third, if it moves you closer to achieving the courage required to attain your goal. Again, success is going to be different for everyone, but if it meets that criteria, then then it's probably worth moving forward. I also want to remind people too, quitting has become this really bad negative thing, but sometimes quitting is necessary to make room for the better. Quitting isn't always a bad thing. If, if you quit something to make room for something good, then then hey, it's you know it might be time to quit something, and and it's okay to quit sometimes. I want people to to realize that as well, um, you know. So so these fears that come, as long as it's not fear talking, you know, if it's if it's reality talking, hey, you know, you need to quit to make room for something better, and then this process will will start again. But you know, the, a lot of this self doubt will will turn into these voices telling us that we're failures if, if we're not careful. But And that comes up in a later chapter, uh, eight signs to tell people that it's okay to quit. I felt that was necessary because there's been plenty of things that I've quit in my life, but looking back on them, it was, oh, okay, that was making room for this. Because we only we all only have a limited amount of time. It all comes down to picking and choosing. Uh, we have to. All we only have twenty four hours in a day. So yeah, I you that brings to mind the the book Necessary Endings. Yeah, that's that's a good book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we move from that stage into the passion stage, the I can do it stage. Yeah. So the passion that I'm talking about is not the buzzword, you know, follow your passion, um, which is important, but passion at its root means to endure. That's what it means. And so courage actually means heart. It all connects together. These two words, courage and, and passion, it comes from our endurance. It comes from our drive. So passion is what moves one forward to bravery. It's, it's the internal drive to succeed. And so when we pay attention to what we're passionate about, it's something that we're willing to endure. You know, the hard work that goes into those things that we know we ought to be doing. It's time to put action into it. It's it's really that challenge to say, hey, be passionate about what you're doing. It, and if you're not, it, it might be time to quit that in order to make room for something better. It comes back to the challenge of that. But some other important questions when you're searching for passion. Why is it important? 
it's got to be important. Knowing the purpose of what you do is so important. And then specifically, who will your actions impact? It all comes back. It all comes back to other people. If we're in it for selfish reasons, it's it's going to crumble in the end. You know, my passion is other people. It's why I do what I do. Uh, I think it's what you why you do what you do, Eric. You know, bringing the podcast, helping people think, produce better work. If it weren't for other people, I I wouldn't show up to to do the work every day. It helps the world. It helps people create better work. That's why I'm here. That's that's why you're here. That's why we're we're all here. So it's it's time to to get passionate about what we're doing. And then the final stage, bravery, which is yeah. which is our end goal here. And again, this is again a, re- a recurring process. This is going to happen over and over with every new thing or every new every time. Basically, every time we get complacent somewhere in our lives, <laughs> this happens all over again. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we'll need to revisit because, again, fear will come. Fear will come and go with uh, big things that we try. Again, we're not here to do mediocre work. We're here to do brave work. We're here to impact the world, here to do great work. Fear is going to come when you step out. Business deal that you have to throw a bunch of money into. There's going to be some some fears there. You know, I don't want to negate the practicality of uh, people have bills to pay, you know, and so – our livelihood matters, our our work matters. But having a brave conversation, there's going to be some fear there with, am I going to hurt this person's feelings? Am I going to make our relationship worse than what it is now with having this deep conversation that needs to take place? But some things just have to be done. And it's um, developing in that situation, it's these relationships and trust is the foundation of all relationships. So having that uh, meaningful conversation on the basis of trust is important. But, you know, again, I, I really want to end this one with, are your ideas more important than your fears? And if so, then then bravery, then bravery is going to matter. <laughs> bravery always matters. And so remember that the odds are in your favor the more times that you show up. You know, if you, if you show up once or twice, you know, success might not come. But the failure, I say that in quotes because every failure is is teaching us something about the next time that we make an attempt. You know, the more often we show up and, and learn from our mistakes, in the end, you know, it might take a hundred times, but success will come if if we put in enough work, if we if we show up often enough. So it really comes down to bravery is not giving up, it's showing up again and again until you find success. To see clearly what's been holding us back and to be able to identify that. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's so hard, especially when it comes to fear, is it's not some physical thing right in front of us that we can deal with tangibly. It's this internal struggle. And my hope is that people are going to hear this and realize, one, they're not alone. Two, yeah. that there is a way through. And that three, that they can be brave and they can do great work. Absolutely. And I, I, I end the book on a note that, you know, t- reminding people that they're good enough because in the self-help genre, thousands of books tell people that they're inadequate. So here's this book to make you more than adequate. <laughs> yes. And, I, and, you know, I'm I'm tired of that message. I, I hope people hear that in this book and in my writing style. I, I really, the way I write is the way I talk. So I hope people feel like I'm just talking to them, sitting down and talking to them about bravery. But I just want to remind people that you're enough and that if fear has come in your lifetime and has won, you're still enough. 
but this book is really just a, a guide and help. And after talking to people, what they've encountered, what I've encountered, and I wrote this book, spent three years on it because I'm pretty sure it will help. I know it will help. So I, I hope people do uh, pick up the book. But if but if not, that's cool too. <laughs> so I, uh, I know people I, will at least yeah. have gotten something out of this episode. So yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Adam, it's been awesome talking with you. Let, let's tell people where they can buy the book and where they can connect with you further if they want to go down uh, this rabbit trail a little bit more. Yeah, asmithblog.com is the hub. Um, I'm pretty much asmithblog on every social media channel, and then you can buy the book The Bravest You on Amazon or anywhere else. Your local bookstore hopefully stocks it, support the local bookstore, pretty much anywhere that books are sold. So. Awesome. And I'll, I'll make sure to, to link it up in the show notes and, and all your contact information there as well. Adam, it's been awesome talking with you. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, Eric. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. So what did you think of this episode? We only got into three of the 10 major fears that can stop you, that can be a roadblock to you in life in general, but also specifically, these things creep up in weird ways throughout your day when you don't even know it and aren't really aware of it. Make sure to go to the show notes for this episode so you can go grab Adam's book at beyondthetodolist.com slash 185. I want to say thanks again to Seth Godin's Alt-MBA Workshop. Again, yet another way to push past or through your fears is the Seth Godin Alt-MBA Workshop. They're enrolling for their next sessions now, and you can learn more at altmba.com slash beyond. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you know of someone who needs to listen to this episode, again, head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com slash 185. Hit share on email, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Let that person that you know needs to hear this know of this episode, and I will see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.